Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. My co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson, will join me later when we answer your questions. You've sent in some questions, and we're going to take time to answer them. But first, I want to introduce you to my friend, Alita Field. Alita and I have known each other for a very long time. She is an artist, and I wanted her to come on the show because she's an artist who knows how to make money. She actually is really good at business and really good at monetizing the creation and distribution of her art. So good that I thought she might be able to do something for me, and that is answer the question that I get about 100 times a year from artists, how do I utilize the story brand framework, marketing, messaging, business-made simple principles to make money as an artist? Well, there are ways to do it, and I think introducing you to Alita is going to speak a lot more to that issue than I could. So here is my friend who's actually succeeding at making money as an artist. This is my conversation with Alita Field. Alita, good to see you. Hey, it's great to see you, Don. I, I got to tell you, the reason I invite you on the show is because we get uh, hundreds of artists over the years who are asking for business advice. And it's a different group of people. Right. I mean, it's yeah, right. They're thinking uh, more creatively. They're thinking not to be, you know, stereotypical, but they're a little more sort of emotional, uh, tied in with their passions where business people have this sometimes in business, the advantage of being extremely linear in their thinking and they'll make a widget for eight bucks and sell it for 16 and they don't care about, <laughs> you know, whether or not it's right. their best work, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. And so I thought, OK, we need to we need to prove to people in a case study that artists can actually have a successful uh, business career if they're willing to weirdly think creative about business. <laughs> Do you see yourself as an artist more than a business person or a business person more than an artist or you don't even like the labels? Well, no, I, I think you have to be both. And in fact, when I go speak at schools, I often will tell the kids, I'll say, you know, they'll think, oh, it's an artist in here. And I'll say, okay, who in here likes to paint? Everybody raises their hands. And then I said, who in here loves math? And nobody raises their, <laughs> their hands. And I said, <laughs> okay, we got to chat because here's the deal. If you're going to do art as a business, you know, you're going to have to do this business side of things. And so I always encourage them to, I'm like, fine, go to school to learn about what you want to do to create, but also get a business minor or a double major. Every musician, every writer, you should go to art schools only and say, listen, <laughs> you need to, you need to be a business person. Right. Well, it, because they don't think about that. And I, I, can't tell you how many kids even now they'll get out of school and they'll say, well, wow, I know how to um, paint really well, or I'm really great at clay. I have no idea how I can now make money with this. In fact, I just got a, a text message from a mutual friend and his daughter just got out of school and same kind of thing. It's like, what do I do now? So, um, well now with story brand and business made simple, I say, <laughs> I tell you what I did. I said, you got to go here. This is what you need to do first. Don't ever get another degree. Just go here. All right, let's back up though. Let's go all the way back to what you describe as the come to Jesus moment where your parents sit you down and say, you're going to be poor. <laughs> you, <laughs> you will be, a, they tell you the story of the starving artist. So let's start there though. When you decided, no, this is what I want to do. You're an educated uh, woman. You could have gone into the business world. There's a lot of routes you could have chosen. You chose to be an artist and uh, walk us through sort of th that psychological journey of saying, I want to do this and I want to do it for a living. I want to be the provider for the family here. 
Yeah. Well, I think there was a couple moments of really life changing. I was in college, had just finished my two-year degree, had gone to a school that didn't have an art program, but found myself doing all of this creative stuff. And I, I started saying, well, why am I not getting paid for this? I knew I was talented. I knew I was passionate and I know how to hustle. And those three things I think are really important for anybody who's like going down this. You've got to be willing to work and put in the time and, and be creative on how you're going to make money. And so my conversation with mom and dad was something like this. Well, listen, I want to pursue art. And there was a, you know, silence <laughs> <laughs> and they're going just, you know, and I said, but no, no, let, 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 hear me out. Hear me out. Here's the deal. I'll get my, my degree in art, you know, with the emphasis in painting. However, I'll get a minor in history. And if things don't work out, if you, if I can't make it and I'm starving, I'm living in your basement, I promise I will go back and get a master's in teaching and I'll have, you know, a core subject that I can also teach. So I gave them a little, you know, breathing room there, um, but never did go back to college for anything after that. Okay. So you're, you're, you're wanting to create art. You're creating art. You're painting all the time. Yeah. And tell me about the first dollar. I mean, the first time that you made, you went cha-ching, I just made some money. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay, I what was, was it? I was 12 and there was a poster <laughs> contest and it's the best story ever. What I really wanted, like every 12-year-old girl, I think on the planet wants a horse, right? right? And I really wanted a horse and there was this poster contest and I submitted my design I won and I got a color TV. Now this is back in the days that color TVs were really expensive. They were kind of a novelty. Uh -huh. I didn't want a color TV. I wanted a horse. <laughs> and uh, so I sold my color TV in the nickel ads and bought my first two horses. The toy horse. The toy horses. I thought you were talking about a real horse. No, real horses. I got two real horses, Don. <laughs> so I mean, it wasn't like I got, got toy horse. No. And um, I think in that moment, I realized like, wow, that was so easy for me. Working a deal. Yeah. And figuring out like, I don't want this, but I want this. And I by doing this, I can get that. And so um, it made me realize that my, first of all, I could get paid was something that I love to do. You know, I was talented at doing. Okay, so then you you graduate, you are a much better painter, it comes to pass, yeah. you, your skills getting better. And I remember, just from our friendship, I remember you did a season, well, many years, where you were mostly painting roosters. And I got yeah. the feeling that you were painting those because you discovered there was a market of large painted roosters. Now, <laughs> not, just to clarify for the audience, she wasn't taking roosters and painting them. She was painting images of roosters on a canvas. <laughs> did you want to paint? I'm going to make a point here. Did you want to paint roosters or did you go, this is where the market's going. I need to be a rooster painter. I knew that I needed to put together some kind of a show, right? To show my work. And I wanted some gallery representation. And so uh, a friend, another artist had told me, Alita, you know, you've got to create a series of work they want to see. And that's, that's something that I talk about in, in my artist business classes. You got to create a series. The series sells the paintings. And so roosters just kind of sparked my interest. I like this idea of doing these colorful roosters. They were in season or in style on trend, whatever you want to say. And uh, so I created this series for my first solo show, like up here in the Northwest. You know, I, I didn't want to be known as the chicken lady or the rooster lady. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no time. Like I did a series, but I wasn't doing, this isn't all I can do. And some artists can really get pigeonholed into that where it's like, all you do is landscapes and then you're just a landscape painter or all you do is portraits. And that's like, and if you, if you like that, your personality can handle that. 
great, but I'm too, I don't know if it's ADD or ADHD or I call it the creative brain. I'm a seven. So it's, you know, in the Enneagram. Yeah. So it's always fun, fun. I'm like the fun factor always outweighs my common sense. So I, I constantly distracted and, um, but that's helped me throughout the years is create a series of work so people can see like a body of work. And then that always helps to the pieces to sell. Yeah. Okay. So I want to, I want everybody to understand how many revenue streams and ways of making money you created. I mean, you are, you went through a season and may still be in it, uh, COVID uh, uh, not counting, but uh, where you were taking groups of people to Italy. Tell us, first of all, tell us about that. How did that come about? And then I also want you to list all the other revenue streams that you of an artist have created. Right. So, and that's, that's such a key thing because right now, especially during what we're going through, having different avenues and, and a friend of mine said, Alita, go where the money's at. And it's true. You have to say, where do I need to shift my focus? So that's why I'm focusing a lot of my work right now on online classes and also on painting because people during COVID are, it seems like more people are at home and they're looking at their walls all the time and they're going, geez, I didn't get to go to Europe this year, but I'm going to buy a painting. So, so I mean, I've been busier with my painting side of things in the last six months, actually more than, than usual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I started, my first thing that I started doing was teaching kids. I did an after school art program program called Art Van Gogh. And it's because I had a minivan and I was on the go and I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was clever. That you is know, clever. It's, like, well, it's after school. <laughs> the kids come, we paint, we do all kinds of other things. And then I, I, I knew Spanish. So I did Spanish to go. So those were my first two after school programs I started. So I went to private schools first and I said, listen, you know, you want to make your school special. You want your school to stand out. You want to offer these programs that nobody else has. Parents will love the fact that their kids Kids get to stay until five o'clock on Tuesdays instead of three. Mom gets those extra groceries done or the massage that she needs. Like think of the benefits for parents. Plus they're going, their kids get this amazing after school art program. So the, the schools were like, yeah, you can use our facility. You can promote it. You can do it. And uh, so that was my first like intro to teaching after school program. And uh, it was great because I was actually, you know, really in a place where I couldn't be away from the kids. I had a nursing baby and a three-year-old and I was like, man, I only have a certain amount of time that I can be away. And so two days a week, my after-school programs were basically the equivalent of make of a full-time job. I made more money from those two days a week than I would if I was working full-time. Fast forward a little bit, I started after I'd start adult classes. So I teach uh, adult classes. That's another way to do it. And, um, I also have my commission work that I do and I sell my original paintings. I sell prints. I was doing products where I was like, Hey, you want my painting on your mug? Well, guess what? I've got that too. And I've got <laughs> leggings that have my paintings on them. So it's like, I love yoga pants. So why not have them with my paintings on them? So there's that as well. And, um, and then these trips, let's talk about father Bruno Sagata and Alita's art tours to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Saturday night live skit. Yes. Father Bruno Sagata. <laughs> my first tour done was like 12 women, 12 days and a priest in Italy. I mean, that right there. <laughs> That's the beginning of a joke. Uh, yeah, I know. I, exactly. 12 women and a like, priest walk into Italy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so what happened was I was going through a divorce. 2009, it was the, like the worst year ever, you know? And um, 
that summer I had met Father Bruno Sagata. He was painting. So he's this rogue Italian priest, but he's an artist. And so I, my grandma's also an artist and we went to this show and he, a hundred percent of his proceeds were going to build an orphanage in Uganda. So we connected and I said, listen, I'm teaching a, a class called Art, Women and Wine. I said, would you be able to come and, and teach a workshop with this particular style he was doing with stucco and burlap and on, on wood? It was very cool. And he said, did you say Art, Women and Wine? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, I could be chill with that. <laughs> So sure enough, he comes to do this workshop at my house. I'm going through this awful divorce. We're all drinking wine and eating way too much pasta. And all of a sudden, one of the gals says, let's all go to Italy. And she raises her glass and we all cling our glasses together and the wine's spilling and we're all woohoo. And I'm thinking in my mind, there's no way that I'm going to be going to Italy. I've got three kids. I'm going through a divorce. You know, this is like the worst. The timing is not right. Yeah. I take Father Bruno back to the bus station. And, and I said, you know, of course, he was, of course, he went back to the bus station. Of course, <laughs> it was, a, you know, a fiasco, a fun fiasco, but a fiasco. So I said, you know, if I had done things differently, if I didn't have this, I would be like you. I would paint for causes and I would um, travel the world. And and he said, you know, Alita, there's those people who talk about what they want to do. And there's those who do it. So which one are you? And I just sat there crying. I, 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 I was like, wow, he's calling me out. He's asking me to, to rise to the occasion. So that next year, Don, I, I start sending emails out. Who was serious? Who was drunk? I mean, just, you know, drank too much. <laughs> Who is really like legit wants to go to Italy? I'm going to put something together. And we got 12 women. And uh, that was our first tour. And uh, 27 tours later, we... 27? We, you've been over yeah. 27 times. All the things I love to do, Don. I try to figure out all the areas that I, I, I love travel. I love people. I love art. And so, you know, creating these things that then... Um, you know, to create the life that you want. I love that, Alita. I think the artists who've been listening to the show for years finally feel like we're talking to them. And uh, we're going to have to have you back on. AlitaArt.com, E-L-I-D-A, Art.com is where you can find out more about Alita. Alita, will you tell us a little bit about this business class, this, this business for artists, artists for business? Yes. Yeah. So I created this class. It's like, it's got 12 different steps that you can go through and it's really designed to help It's a 12 you. step program for artists who want to go into business. Artists, right. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't have any other, like there's no stipulations. You don't right? have to be an alcoholic to take the class. Wine actually does help. I would say wine sometimes helps me through a lot of things, but, um, yeah, so it's really designed. Like I said, I, I created it for, for a, a lot of my adults that were taking classes. They were creating a lot of work and then they were saying, well, I don't know what people are asking to buy my paintings or they're starting to ask me about, um, you know, how to purchase some things and they were just a little stuck on what to do. And so this class is really to give you that first step into saying, get your artwork out there. How do you do that? The basic step-by-steps on how to make that happen. Incredible. And that's at alitaart.com. Yes, alitaart.com. Come check it out or come with me to Italy, Don. I'll take Father Bruno. Father Bruno and I can uh, hold down for it. Terrific conversation with Alita Field. And JJ and I are going to answer questions here in just a minute. But before we do that, I want you to know we've got a live stream marketing and messaging workshop coming up December 7th and 8th. We have been doing these live streams all year. We've had a thousand plus people come through them. They each have learned what you're going to learn. And that is if you have a sales funnel, you have a competitive advantage. Listen, a, a vaccine is hitting the market now. They're saying by May... 
70% of the population could be vaccinated. What that means is the economy is going to explode. It's going to grow. If you have collected email addresses and you are emailing people specific messages that make them want to do business with you, you are going to be able to participate much more in that economic growth. You don't want to miss this. This is your last opportunity before the economy starts roaring back into place. It's December 7th through 8th. It is our marketing and messaging workshop. You will learn the story brand framework that will allow you to clarify your message. You will also work with coaches so that you know you are doing it right. And then we will teach you to put the language that you come up with into a marketing sales funnel that actually gets customers to buy. You've needed to do this for a long time, but you've been putting it off. It's your last opportunity of 2020. Don't miss out. Go to storybrand.com and register today. Alita's terrific. Fantastic. Sometimes when you have friends on, you kind of wonder, okay, but are they are they going to be able to perform? She was fantastic. She just made me smile the whole time. Yeah, I don't think she's, that's her, That's not her last time to be no. on the show. And just the fact that she's an artist who thinks like a business person. So creative. Andy Warhol thought like a business person. Yep. I love her though. Yeah, absolutely. She was wonderful. We promised our listeners that we would actually answer some questions. That's and right. we were going to answer it last week, but then we had... Mr. Matthew McConaughey. On. That's right. And he went long. <laughs> we all just kind of. He wouldn't stop talking. No. And I, I gazed into his eyes through the television for a while. But, you know, we so we wanted it to that interview to kind of cover the whole thing. But we need to go back to some Q&As. We promised people we could That's right. do it. And we've actually recorded their questions. Yeah. So we have some of the questions and we picked out some of those that we just want to answer right now. Hi, this is Mary Barbera from TurnAutismAround.com. If I put my courses on the homepage with a cash register on the homepage to buy now, how do I incorporate any scarcity in the offer? Mary, that's a great question. That's a fantastic question. Yeah. We have Business Made Simple that is available all the time. And yet we also do course launches where we do some new kind of stuff that's coming out that we're adding to it. But even if we didn't, we want moments where we can kind of invite more people to engage in the process. That's right. Instead of kind of creating scarcity of two for one or discounts, which we have done before. Right. But we choose to kind of take a different mindset when it comes to inviting people in and creating a scarcity mentality. Do you want to talk about that? I do. Well, well, there's a couple different ways. One is you actually don't let people buy the course most of the time. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's a product launch. Jeff Walker has a lot about that and product launch formula. It's a great book. And Jeff's a great guy. Uh, you can do that. Jeff also talks about an evergreen launch. And we tend to do that a lot. Yep. And what that is is it's an expiring bonus and so for us that's how we've interpreted it you know you can get this free e-course you can get this free pdf or you get a free copy of the book or you get whatever uh a discount if you come to the live workshop you know we've experimented with a bunch of things that goes away Tuesday at midnight or yep. Friday at midnight. And we do seem to get about a 50% increase in sales when there's an expiring bonus. So that still creates the sense of scarcity, yeah. but it's not the actual product that's going away. It's the bonus that's going away. So Mary, try that and you should see an increase in sales. And you want your bonus to be something that adds a lot of value to your customer, right? right? Just think in terms of what else can you give them on top of the course that will actually give them value. All right. Next question. 
Don and JJ, hey, this is Evan from Goshen Valley. Hey, we have 100 foster youth in our care. We also do mental health services to prevent youth falling into foster care. For a lead generator, we do volunteer days. We host a lot of volunteers at our property, get their info, and that's how we get them in our system, our sales funnel, as y'all call it. Well, we can't hold volunteer days right now. What would you suggest and what have you seen others do to pivot to get those first-time donors, first-time partners when the in-person leads are not coming in? You know, people ask all sorts of questions about nonprofits, and they really believe nonprofits are a completely different animal. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know they're not. No. <laughs> so we've had so many different ways that you can, uh, that nonprofits can get leads. They can download a page of talking points to talk over dinner about whatever issue it is that you care about. Yep. You can do webinars on certain topics that relate to whatever it is that your nonprofit cares about. You can do open houses. I mean, it's just like a business. Yeah. And then you want to actually create a sales funnel that on-ramps those people to participate, volunteer, or give money. Love it. All right. I think we have time for one more question. Got it. Hey, Don and JJ. Love the show. My name is Justin. I own a funeral home specializing in cremation. You guys always push the sales funnels. Uh, my problem with that is that families will realistically only use our services once every seven years or so on average. Wedding planners probably be in a similar situation uh, where their customers aren't really looking to come back again and again for more. What advice do you have for those of us that are in industries where customers really aren't looking to come back or be in constant communication with us? Thanks. That's a pretty bold claim. There are some challenges there. Let's yes. take the funeral home. Funerals, you only die once. Thank God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but if you do die twice, you get to write a book about it yeah. and talk about 100%. your experience. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're just a millionaire. Yeah. What you want, though, is when somebody needs your service, the the family of the deceased, you want them thinking about you. And that means you need to have provided value for them early on. So let's say uh, if you had a PDF, uh, 10 thoughtful gifts to give someone who's lost a loved one, 10 uh, thoughtful questions to ask to somebody who's grieving a loved one's passing. You know, th those sorts of quote unquote lead generators allow you to begin emailing somebody, and I would say email once a month. What you want is you want them to have heard from you within a couple weeks or a month of the time they need your service. It's really not any different in yep. business. And so, yes, people are going to unsubscribe, but they're going to think about you, especially if you're thoughtful and you're kind and you're reflective and you position yourself as the people who could be trusted yeah. when there's a crisis, when there's yep. pain. And what we're talking about there is getting the lead and then moving them into what we would call a nurture, nurture campaign, right? right? So you're delivering content on a semi-regular basis that keeps your name in front of the potential customer. I worked with a company up in um, Massachusetts that did, uh, they restored flood damaged homes and offices. So mm. the only time somebody is going to buy from them is in an emergency situation. Right. And hopefully they only have to do it once or twice in their life. Right? Right, right. And so they were kind of arguing with me a little bit about, well, sales sequences and email sequences don't work for us. They hadn't really tried it, but they were saying they won't work for us because people are just calling us in two in the morning when they have an emergency. And they were counting on a Google search for people to find them. Right. Well, what we ended up creating for them was a nurture campaign where they started sending out basically, because they, they worked not only in flood damage, but if there was any damage to the outside of your home from a windstorm right, yeah. or from a fire or anything like that. And so we started basically saying, how do you prepare your home this month to keep it safe? 
So in January, oh, what do you do? Brilliant. You know, that's February. Brilliant. When you yeah, do and March. then you, you have a an excuse, a valuable reason to be in their email box every month. So this yeah. month, this is what you need to be doing to prepare for summer. This is what you need to be doing to prepare for fall, for winter. What you're buying, the general idea is you are buying real estate in this customer's thought life, so that they have a thought of you. It's branding. You have branded yourself inside of their brain by repeatedly sending them valuable content. It's just content marketing. And so you want that email going out, you know, at least once a month. If it's a, if you're a business, it's once a week, if yeah. not more than that. But at least once a month so that they think of you. The same is true with weddings. You could, there's all sorts of valuable content that you can send as it relates to weddings. I mean, if you just sent out uh, beautiful wedding dresses, yeah. pictures of beautiful brides being married at your facility... And you named the, you just did a short little interview with the bride. Where'd you get the dress? Why did you like it? Just that once a month, you have to do it 12 times. Just that you will have an uptick in people wanting to get married at your place because they, you've bought real estate in their brain. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. Well, I love this Q&A I thing. know, me too. We got to keep this going. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think it was really terrific. And Alita, thanks so much for coming on. And yes. thank you for sending in your questions. We hope that there's more in the future. Well, thanks as always for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. 